0: hey everybody wendy sellers here the hr lady we are here today with a freaking awesome guest <laughs> where jc and i here are here talking to rebecca cox hey rebecca how are you hey wendy hi jc hey,
1: there. the
0: applause <laughs> <laughs> applause applause <laughs> hey i want to talk about what's going on in the world you know this shouldn't take too long right <laughs> I really want to talk about HR around the globe, Um, you know, we're usually talking about just HR in the US, but so many of us in the HR world, um, even pre-pandemic, but definitely post-pandemic, have team members, whether they're employees or vendors or contractors or just, you know, arms of a company all over the globe. And you, uh, you work in that space and have worked all over the globe, right? Right.
1: I have, you know, for the past, I would say, eight years of my HR career, I've been working in international markets, um, most recently in the APAC and European mar- market. But prior to that, I was in the Caribbean market. And um, so, you know, the international space is not uh, unique to me in that sense. Um, I've been in that space for quite some time.
0: I One of my questions that I want to ask you is, you know, and this is a big question, like what's the biggest thing that you see that's a difference between the U.S. and another country or many other countries regarding the HR space?
1: Regulatory compliance, completely the the regulatory uh, landscape is completely different from the U.S. Um, that's one. And You know, another that I can think of, which I think is huge, is the cultural differences.
0: And what do you mean by that? Like, so
1: is there more regulation
0: outside the United States?
1: Absolutely. Um, The employment laws outside of the U.S. definitely are tailored to ensure uh, protection of employee rights, and um, they're very detailed in terms of all the legal requirements (laughs) that employers are. Um, are supposed to follow when managing the employment relationship. So I'll give you an example. Employment contracts, for instance, um, is is definitely common outside of the U.S. in the European and China markets as well as the Caribbean markets.
0: Yeah, and now you were in the Caribbean markets, right? Somewhere? Yeah, I was um, in 11 different countries. Wow. Yes. What a difference in the U.S. I've, you know, it's you it, uh, know, I have I have dabbled in the global space as well. Um, it's been quite some time, um, although actually during the pandemic, I, I was dealing with it a lot as well. But it is it, it's always mind blowing to me. You know, when you're dealing with the U.S., you know, we're supposed to be um, this like the greatest country in the world. And then we forget about the rights of workers. And I while it is, it makes things a lot more difficult for an HR person or a business owner or a business manager, it's the right thing to do, in my opinion, is to, you know, follow, have these laws and then follow them and make sure everybody follows them consistently. The Nazi United States has, you know, so many different laws across every single state and territory that if, you're hiring somebody now as a remote worker or even an in-person worker but let's just face it a lot of companies are hiring remote oh i'll just hire somebody on high in ohio or i'll hire somebody you know in japan what could possibly go wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> my response to that is always a lot because uh, internationally every detail of the employment relation and relationship is highly uh, regulated yeah, and when I say everything, I'm talking about everything from, uh, you know, paid time off, paid holiday, paid sick time, you know, all of the benefits, the standard benefits that employees get here that are not required or mandated by law, but more or less discretionary, those benefits right. are highly regulated outside of the U.S., yeah. So for
0: our listeners, if you are thinking about hiring employees or even contractors, to be quite honest, that are outside the US or opening, you know, an arm somewhere else um, because it's cheaper labor, whatever it might be, it may not be cheaper in the end because of all the regulations and the benefits and the compensation and so on and so forth that's required uh, by those laws. Speaking of um, unique laws, uh, JC, you have one you want to share.
2: I absolutely do. It's called the Metabo Law. It was enacted in 2008 in an attempt to reduce the number of overweight Japanese citizens. According to the New York Times, the law requires companies and local governments to measure their employees within a specific age range, that being between 40 and and 74 years old to ensure that their waistlines don't exceed predetermined limits. The limit for a man is 33.5 inches and the women's limit is 35.4. If an employee's waistline exceeds the maximum measurement allowed, or if the employee has a weight related illness, he or she is required to attend dieting classes. If the necessary weight is not lost within three months. Back to you.
0: Whoa. I I I'm uh, I'm going to go with no no comment that's what I'm going to go with
1: <laughs> In, in the United States, uh, you know, how would you, uh, that's an interesting law, but a BFOQ is what comes to mind. <laughs> Yeah, which is bona
0: fide occupational qualification. Absolutely. And it's, it's like one of the few things that the U.S. has got, uh, to protect the the employees. And I kid, we you know, I do feel um, the past couple of years, you know, uh, the Department of Labor and the powers that be are slowly but surely coming out with more laws and by slowly, I mean slowly to protect workers in, in the United States, but there's always workarounds, which is, you know, oh, it's always frustrating for me being an HR consultant. Um, I'm going to read another stat here real quick is, Oh, go ahead, JC. Yeah.
2: I've, I've got a question for you both, Rebecca. Maybe you could uh, help out with this uh, really quick. I, I know you kind of got the, a huge legal background, though, too, right? So, is it is it true though that race can never be a BFOQ?
1: Race can never be a BFAQ. It is uh, protected under Title Seven, so that is correct.
0: Yeah. So, talk to us about your uh, your um, your college uh, experience that you're going through right now.
1: It's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey. Um, you know, being in college and working a full-time job, I you know sometimes I, I think of myself as a superwoman, but uh, obviously when reality meets <laughs> meets that um, uh, yeah, you know it's it's definitely a challenge and it has been a challenge. Me, so in order um, I do love learning about the law and the legal landscape and application more so of the law that really is what fuels my passion um, for pursuing that particular uh, path in terms of studies so it's it's really learning about um you know learning about the law and application of the law. Yeah, and, and there's some history behind that, which I will spare you guys on today, um, <laughs> going all the way back to my high school years. But uh, definitely, I'm happy now that I've been able to um, make that you know come to fruition and um, in obviously being able to apply that in my career as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, so for our listeners, Rebecca's uh, going to a college of law for her Juris Master's Legal Risk and HR Compliance and Employment Law. Um, I have a master's in human resources and my favorite class and i wish there was like seven of them during that degree was employment law and it was just one i was like are you kidding me majority of my career is based on laws and you gave me one class for that master's degree and it was the the only class that i really was like hanging on to every word it was taught by um two employment lawyers they actually tag team which was amazing and i learned so much and then i knew right then and there like okay majority of your career is going to be the soft side over here, which I really don't have. And mm-hmm. then you know making sure people stay out of court. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I do love that duality um, because I do think that I'm strong in both areas. Obviously um, the soft skills and I'm a huge proponent for as an HR professional, I think it's it's an imperative. Um, you know, it comes by virtue of the role. But also being um, savvy with the technical requirements of the role too. It's, you know, it's equally important. So I do love the duality
0: of the role. Yeah, it's, it's super important. So anybody who's listening today, if you think you don't need to know the law, you're completely wrong. And I don't care if you're HR, a manager, a business owner, a director, a team lead, you need to know at least a little bit to, you know, I, I teach people when I'm doing, um, you know, management training classes, I do a quick crash course on employment law. I'm like, you don't need to know all these words. You don't need to know um, what the law name is. You just need to know when you hear this, these words over here coming out of an employee's mouth, you need to go ding, 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 help. Somebody help me. Somebody help me and find somebody like myself, like Rebecca, like an attorney. Or if you are lucky enough to have an HR department that is competent to go to the HR department and say, hey, my employee said this, you know, is this an accommodation? Is this FML? a flsa you name it there's so many things but then on top of that if you're working outside the united states you need somebody on your side that knows the law of that country not the law of you know that continent so to speak so what's you know What do you feel is, you know, tell me something good that has happened in this past year in your global role. Have you filled empty seats? Have there been, you know, amazing, awesome insurance rates? Oh, wait, do other countries have this insurance issue?
1: (laughs) No, uh, in the market that I've worked in, you know, the U.S. is unique when it comes to insurance. Um, In some countries, it's actually a requirement like the Cayman Islands. You're required by law to provide um, insurance or pay 50% of the insurance costs for all of your employees, regardless of size. You know, that's uh, in most other countries where healthcare is provided by the state, um, it's not private health insurance is um, a discretionary benefit that some companies may choose to offer. But in most of the countries outside of the US that I've worked heavily expensive working in, um, you know, it's a state-provided benefit, so we usually don't have open enrollment outside of of the U.S. Um, Here, obviously, you can understand the challenges for HR during that time of year, which I told you a week ago, we were just wrapping up our open enrollment
0: yeah, I don't know whose idea it was to have it at the end of the year during the holiday season when uh, everybody's trying to take time off and now you're trying to get them to fill out their, you know, their paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I, Brutal. Just, I was helping a, a friend, a mutual friend of JC and I the other day, it was the last possible day. And, and she even said, HR sent out a notice that this was the last possible day to to, you know, complete your paperwork. And I was like, oh my goodness, let me go talk to your HR department. I'm like, but maybe, maybe I shouldn't, because you'll probably get fired if I talk to them. So <laughs> go ahead, Jason.
2: Yeah. Uh, a survey uh, conducted recently states that seven out of 10 employees inside and outside of the United States believe that HR has a reputation for being the villain. Back to you. Oh,
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm making that up.
2: I'm making that up. I'm making that up. But I do have a good staff for you here, though. (laughs) Believe it or not, global employment is expected to increase by 1.1 billion people to 3.4 billion people in 2023 by the end of the year. That's up 2.28 billion from 1991. And believe it or not, one in every four workers is looking for a new job as rising living costs continue to keep moving forward. That's according to a survey of global workforce hopes and fears by pwc so a couple things on the table for you there over to you
0: yeah so that's one in four workers globally are looking for a new job um in addition to the fact that there's living costs uh, you know increase and so rebecca tell us are you experiencing that in your global environment are are we dealing with the same attraction and retention issues as we're dealing with in the united states
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not unique here. Uh, we do continue to face, uh, you know, retention issues with, and especially with the rising cost of living um, in Europe. Um, With what's happening in Ukraine definitely is impacting economies in other European countries. So definitely we've seen an increase in inflation and being able to keep up with the demands for increased salaries has been a challenge for us.
0: So I think that's interesting and, and I kind of knew that a- answer, but I did want to hear from your perspective since you're living it every single day. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that um, in the US, um, I hear people blaming, you know, the turnover and the lack of, you know, ab- ability to attract people on the cost of health insurance only, right, or or something else. But it turns out, like you just said, other countries have health insurance. It's everybody's paying the same amount. When you open a business, you already know you're going to be paying XYZ because it's a standard. And they're still, you know, um dealing with not able to attract and retain people. What's the what one piece of advice, maybe two or three pieces of advice, you can give to our listeners who are either global or working just in the United States that would be a number one thing, or maybe number one, two, and three things that you can do as an HR person to affect attraction and retention.
1: Absolutely, keep your ears close to the ground. That's the one piece of advice that I like to give most HR professionals. If you're going to be effective in your role, um, sitting behind a desk is not going to make the cut. You have to keep your ears close to the ground. You have to be proactive. Um, be front and center center for the employees, um, pay attention to what's happening, what's out there in the grapevine, you know, bring that information back to your leadership team to proactively affect change. So as an HR professional, uh, I always say keep your ears close to the ground and be proactive with anything, any information that's out there, you know, as it, that may potentially um, lead to increased turnover in your workforce
0: so that magical word of listening so listen i say more bluntly, shut up and listen and then <laughs> act.
1: <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, That's also awesome. a great way of uh, putting it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely want to say that a little nicer, you know, in person, but definitely listening. It's, it's the number one complaint that I hear from everybody is, my manager doesn't listen to me. They don't listen to me. They only hear what they want to hear. But, you know, it's the d- defense of managers. Managers have a lot put on them today and they don't always have the time um, to listen. And even if they do, listen, they don't always have the ability then to act because their hands are tied. So my second thing that I would say is if you are in this space, uh, business owner, director, HR, listen to your managers who are finally listening to the employees and then act together. So with that said, we hope that this information has been incredibly helpful. Rebecca, what's the best way for people to find you? I'm going to say on LinkedIn, probably, right?
1: Yes, I'm available on LinkedIn and always on LinkedIn, you know, reading all the great keeping up with my network and all the great posts. And um, articles that are out there. Um, I, I did want to add, you know, you spoke briefly about the manager. And I agree that the manager, I believe, is the most important role in the organization. There's a great book that I've read by Gallup. It's called It's the Manager. And there's a quote in there that says, cultural lives and day to day with the manager. So I think of them as the frozen middle, and I think it's very important in any organization to ensure that your managers are equipped with the right skills, people skills, and technical skills as well to be effective in their roles. Um, Usually, whenever there's an issue with turnover, I really start with the manager.
0: Right. And, and, you know, uh for our listeners i do management training contact me i can help you i have um, online programs and then if you're looking for advice or information for global management definitely can uh, look into contacting rebecca cox C-O-K-X, on linkedin And don't blame the manager. Please don't blame the manager. Talk to the manager. Listen to the manager. Act with the manager. Do not blame the manager because unfortunately, that is what many companies do. And then not only does the employee leave, the manager leaves too. And we do not want that to happen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.